0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, welcome online family, everyone online that's with us. Welcome. You're in for uh, the Word of God. And um, as Christine was saying, um, in the last six months or so, we've been given um, you know, to Philippines a couple of times. Um, I think we gave $2,000 to the Philippines to help the, the work of an um, amazing man of God who's feeding a lot of poor people that have been isolated, that cannot uh, get, get to food. They, their food will run out if they um, don't get fed, literally. They starve. We're not like in our country, in some places of the world. So we've also given to India a number of times. Um, uh, friends of ours up in Kootengiri and also Ernest, some of you know Ernest who's preached here, We've given to them, uh, just even last week, we gave again another $1,000 as a church, but we've given a couple of thousand to um, the work in Kotengiri, but also a couple of thousand towards Ernest before. Um, just help support what they're doing, and they're feeding poor people in the villages. They literally keep them survive, surviving. Um, as Christine said um, recently, $1,000 to South Africa. I just want you to know, when you give, it empowers the church. Us as a family, we, we help and bless and not just that way, through our tithes and offering, we always give to the nations. And the gospel of the kingdom is being preached throughout the nations as well through that. Our, as a church, we give our tithes and offering, just in case you didn't know that. All right. And also, um, I was going to say something else. What was I going to say? I mean, that's it. You ready for the Word of God? Um, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to uh, Third John. Third John chapter, well, it's only one, I think. Verse, verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Third John. We're going to talk about walking, walking in God's provision. Okay, this is really, really important because this. Will, uh, every time we share the word, I do believe with all my heart that if you receive it, it'll it'll change your whole life. I I believe that every time we stand up here, deliver the word of God, um, without fail, or also we wouldn't be preaching the word of God. Um, but we really believe it is God's word. It's not my opinion. Don't think it's my opinion. I mean, why would you come to hear my opinion? Now seriously, why would anyone come and hear someone else's opinion? We've come to hear the Word of God. So my encouragement to us all, when the Word of God says something, it's clear, and we try to show the whole theme of the whole Bible from the beginning to the end. When you see what the Word and what Jesus and what the Father is uh, communicating to us and His message, please adjust your belief system and thinking to the Word of God. Not to what's out there, because there's a lot of stuff out there in the world. And in the church world, some, some church world fight each other on this on these issues we're talking about talking about God's provision and when I think about God's provision I think about God's abundant provision okay and so if you got if you got your Bibles open to third John all righty I'm going to read it from the N R V this time Um, all right beloved John, the Apostle, the beloved uh, poor John, was uh, expressing the Father's heart. It's not just his heart. He is expressing his heart. But because of the Father putting it into him, he beloved or loved of God. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. He's saying, beloved, I wish that you prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, to me that tells me if your soul's not prospering, you're not going to prosper outwardly. Your inward prosperity of your soul and your mind, your will and your emotions, your spirit, your pro- prospering there determines your eternal outside world prospering. It won't. It won't. This outside world will reflect what's inside you. Just like people, when they've got the wrong mindset, wrong—I don't know—insecurity, rejection, you can repel people you're full of fear and anxiety and and, and just insecurity, you actually repel people. Well, this is the same thing, I think, to to some degree, that when you have the wrong mindset, if you think, for example, that poverty is a virtue. Some people actually believe poverty is a virtue. It's like godliness. And therefore, to have a lot of money or have wealth is, be careful, because wealth is wickedness. If you actually believe that, you'll, you'll push God's provision back. You somehow, because of your faith and because of the way God created us, He made us in, Egypt, in His image and His likeness. If you don't prosper inside, you can't prosper outwardly. And we're talking about every part of prosperity, okay? So my soul has to prosper for my outside world to prosper. When I think about the word prosperity, I don't think just finances. It's a very small part of prosperity. It's a, it's a part of the prosperity, but it's a very small part of prosperity. If you, you know, Ask the world, what's the world's definition of a prosperous, wealthy man? Like I'm going to use the word wealth, prosperity, and riches, true riches, all in one, right? So we all got our own definition of what we think is a prosperous person or a a person that's walking in wealth. Well, we know Jesus actually says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul. That's not a picture of a prosperous man in the eyes of God. He wants to see every, to me, I think God wants to see every part of us prosperous, not just one part. But if you ask the world, what do you think is a prosperous, you know, wealthy, rich person? Now, they will say, having all the money in the world. That if you've got all the money in the bank, and you've got heaps, of all your houses are paid off, and you've got all these homes, and you've got all these, you're just wealthy. But if you've got all that, and have maybe, you've got your health, that's a good thing. That's a good start, isn't it? Have your health. And um, your children, you have a great children relationship with your children, great relationship with your friends, great job, great everything, but your wife leaves you for another man and breaks your heart, and you're a broken man, and you're shattered. That's not a picture of a prosperous man, is it? God's concerned about every part. What happens if this person has a good relationship? He has a good relationship with God, he has a good relationship with his wife, he's got, he, and he has maybe lots of money, he's got his health, he's got his mental health, because that's a big part of it, mental health strong emotionally, he's got everything, but one of his sons overdoses on drugs, gets in the wrong crowd and loses his son or a son commits suicide. That person will be shattered. That person is broken. That person is not a picture of a prosperous person in the eyes of God. He, God concerns about the whole entirety of our life. And that's true if you have great relationship with God, great relationship with your wife, great relationship with your children, great relationship with everything but you're dying of cancer. It's not a picture of a prosperous man. If you're dying of cancer, all the money in the world is not going to help you. Or if you've got all that that I've said, you know, great relationship with God, great relationship with your marriage, children, everything, but you're anxiety stricken or full of depression. People, have, people, one of the richest men in Australia, just a few years ago, all the money in the world that you could have was, was struggling with Depression had to leave our country to try to find freedom. Think about it. I'm trying to help us see what is a picture of a prosperous man. We're talking about prospering in our soul means you prosper everything outwardly. Now we're not just talking about money. We're talking about everything. God wants every part of our life to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So when we think of prosperity, don't think just money. It's such a small part of it. it. It is that, but it's a small part of it. Like if I had a great relationship with God, in other words, I know I'm saved and going to heaven, i relationship with great, amazing relationship with my wife, baby, baby. Great relationship with my children. My children are amazing and all of them are amazing. And they are. We're blessed with our kids even now. You can have all that, everything you can imagine, but you can't feed your kids. In other words, you lack money. You struggle from check to check, from week to week to even pay the bills. And, and you just struggle to even feed them properly. I mean, that's not a picture of a prosperous man. God is concerned about that. He actually wants you to be prosperous in every area of your life. Does that make sense? Getting a, a definition. We need to understand, because we all have a, 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 what we think prosperity is, and unconsciously, you'll probably go after what you think success is. Because if you think getting all the money in the world is successful, you will... So this is a problem with this, this teaching. When I say, if we don't understand it correctly, if you idolize money and money is your God, and you go after money, you weren't created for that, so you will sacrifice other things at the altar of money. It's a really bad God. It's a bad master. Money is a bad master, but a very good servant. So if you make money, your your master, you will sacrifice. Sometimes your family, sometimes your health, something will be sacrificed, 100%. Why? Because you weren't created for that. What did Jesus say? You seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek after. It's about the money, the physical things, the houses. All those things will actually be added to you. They chase you down. They actually do. You, if you put God first, and if God, you know, what did Jesus say about money? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you treasure in life, your heart will go after. True? Yeah. And what did Jesus say about in the context of that scripture, if you read it, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Referring to money as a God. Because he's actually saying you can't have two masters. Money can be a master. True? Money can be a master, but it's a very bad master. And I'm just, please hear this. If this is in your heart, say, okay, God, help me take that out. I don't want to go after money. I don't, I don't, money doesn't have to be my God. Money's not going to satisfy me. Money's not going to give me security. People that want, I mean, they reckon it's 80 to, 80 to 90% of people that win uh, big lottery mo- uh, money, f- five years' time have lost it. A lot of times it ruins their life. But they lost it because they didn't know how to get it. But the Bible says he that gets riches little by little, day by day, he knows how to keep it. Proverbs says that. And when the riches that God adds, when God gives you riches, he adds no sorrow to it. Because if you seek your first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are added to you. They come after you. It really, really works. Now, when I first became a Christian, I'm 19. I'm sure I had some wrong motives and wrong ambitions. And that. God was still killing me. You know what I'm saying? About dying to myself. We're talking about laying down a lot. Laying down. When you lay down your life, I can't help because God's a good God. He just always gives you. You lay down this world, what you gave up for God because you want Him, but He gives you mantles. He gives you anointing. He gives you things, but it won't ruin you because you've given up. So it's important that our heart's are in the right place so that we, our heart's going after God, not finances. But I'll tell you what, God wants to equip. I feel there's going to be a real impartation today. And like he's going to literally download mantles that you'd never imagine you could have. Mantles to make finances, mantles to be entrepreneur, mantles to invent and have innovation. I mean, God wants the church to be in the pioneering stage of this, of the world's innovation. Amen. Do you believe it? Because if you don't, that's the soul has to prosper. You actually got to believe I'm anointed. You walk around go, God, you're with me. I serve a, a supernatural God. Therefore, I expect supernatural happenings. I expect it. I look for it. I just live that way. Actually, I wake up in the morning expect, God, what's God going to do today? Now I've got to live like that. I'm, I'm sorry to live like that all the time. But there's so many times I will make my prayer go there because I want, God, I serve you, the, great, the creator of the universe. So did you know, I'll show you a scripture here. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. Write it down so you can look it up and read it and meditate and read the whole chapter actually because it's a really great thing. It climaxes to this. "Is But you shall remember the Lord your God, God says to his people. For it is he, God, that gives you the power or the ability to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant. God gives you the ability to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant. And in the context of that, he goes, when you read the whole chapter, he's saying, I brought you in the promised land, I brought you in the land that flows with milk and honey, and there's gold, there's silver, there's air, and and, and houses. And when you build all these things and, and you bless, don't start to say that all your own strength and your own wisdom got you these things. It says, remember the Lord your God, because he, that's what it's saying, he's the one that gave you the wealth. He's the one that gave you the ability to get the wealth. So it's working with God. It's covenanted with God. So God doesn't do it on his own. He does it with you. And you, and you work with him because you're in partnership, relationship with him, but he gives you the ability to obtain wealth. And when you look at it to establish his covenant on the earth, two ways of looking at it. Establishing the Abrahamic covenant, that's what he's talking about. When you read it in its context, he's talking about Abraham's covenant. He's establishing his covenant. In other words, I'm blessing you to establish the covenant. I want you to be so blessed, so outwardly blessed, that people will go, wow, there's a covenant with God, God's people. Within. So that's one way of looking at it, which is correct. The other way is God establishes, uh, sorry, God gives you the ability to obtain wealth to establish His covenant. In other words, preaching the gospel of the kingdom is a covenant. This gospel is the covenant between God and man. And and He He gives you the ability to obtain wealth. So we can preach this gospel of the kingdom. Because to me, that's the highest priority in God's heart. That all men could be saved. And all men could come into the kingdom. Amen? So when we understand that, we can start understanding some things. Under the old covenant, remember, we're under a new covenant based on better promises. Hebrews says the covenant we're walking in is way better promise than the old covenant. And it says, God said about the old old covenant people that I want you to be the head, not the tail. I want you to be above, not beneath. I want you to be the one that lends money and never borrow. I mean, think about God's mindset about His people in the old covenant. How much more in the new covenant? And He actually says, the Lord will command His blessing on you in your storehouses and your fields. And all that you set your hand to do, I'll command my blessing. And everyone on the face of the earth shall see that you are called by my name, by the name of the Lord. In other words, the whole world will see a testimony that you, I'm walking with you because of God's great blessing on your life. Remember what that means, every area of our life. But that's, that's God's intent. I'm not advocating God's going to bless you so much that I live for myself and I heap all those great things for my enjoyment only. No, God wants us to be a river, he wants to be a channel. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If you've got a heart to reach the poor, preach the gospel, to help people, help humanity, you use the power to establish the covenant. Amen. Now, I just want to show you something. This is God's word. Because it grieves me when, when the church attack the church. It grieves me when the church attacks its own people. It's really unwise, first of all. But poverty was considered pious and a virtue and godliness because they they viewed money as evil. Therefore, I make a vow to be poor. Many did that hundreds and hundreds of years of our history in the church. I vow myself to have nothing. I'll show you how godly I am by absolutely having nothing. So I vowed to poverty and they made poverty as if it's a virtuous thing and um, godly. Therefore, wealth was wicked. And anyone's got a lot of money. Oh, watch his heart, man. Something's wrong with that guy. That's how we viewed. Really, the church has still got some of that in a lot of places in the world. That if you've got a lot of money, watch out because it's going to make you wicked because money is the root of all evil, but it's not. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. So we've got to view this correctly because poverty is a spirit and it's also, I think it's got very connected to small-mindedness. It's connected to thinking small and being stingy, but, but just thinking small. Yet God's a big God, an amazing God. Right, so we need to interpret the Word and the whole Bible. So when I think about prosperity and abundance, I think about, well, God made Adam and Eve and put him in a beautiful garden. And do you know there was absolute abundance? Abundance of provision. Do you think Adam and Eve could lack in that, in that atmosphere of what God created? I mean, you plant us, I mean, they didn't have to plant us because all the trees were there. But, but every tree would just keep producing fruit and seeds in it. It would just produce forever. There's no death in the planet. There's just a complete abundance. Every river is not going to run dry. Every, every mineral, every gold, everything that he put into the earth, it was there in abundance. Actually, when you think about how God created the earth, you've got to understand the earth's resources is unlimited. Or else you th- because the world wants to tell us we're running out of resources, we're running out of space, we're running out of resources. It's actually a lie from the pit of hell. The earth is created for recycling. God created it that way. He's quite smart. When he does things, he didn't put on the earth, okay, it'll run out eventually. But if you've got the agricultural world won't run out because it's recycling the clouds, the water, the evaporation. You, know, you went to school, let's use our brain, it will not run out. And as long as we're serving God, the ground won't get iron, it'll keep producing. If we worship idols, it will, it'll get cursed. But the Bible's the earth is created to, for us to be in connection with God. That's what the Bible teaches. So, so the agriculture cannot run out, it's impossible. As long as we worship and serve God. And same with any resource. You think of the, we've got water, we've got wind, we've got electricity from coal, we've got all these resources, solar power panels and solar power is a resource. If the sun runs out, we're dead anyway. We're out of here, we go to heaven. So what I'm trying to say is nothing that it's resourceful, it's actually resourceful and you can convert it to monetary, won't run out. Just remember that God put this abundance in the garden and said, Adam and Eve, take dominion over everything. Remember that word dominion. You take dominion and have authority and rule over every little thing. The only thing that God said you can't rule over is people. But everything else, you can rule and take dominion. That means you're supposed to take dominion of the physical world, of the material world, and take dominion of finances and money and resources. God has no problem with us having wealth. What he has a problem with is wealth having us. That's the issue. No problem with wealth or finances or abundance. The problem is what we trust. If we trust the living God, we can have abundance and use it for His glory. Or you can trust material things. And we'll see this in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. But so you think of Adam and Eve. God put him in a magnificent abundance atmosphere. Adam was an heir of creation, so you can't call that poor. Noah had the resources to build a massive ark. He had to have finances to do that. Abraham was very rich. He actually had 318 servants. And Abraham was called the friend of God. He's, God made a covenant with Abraham as a man of God who loves God. And yet he's got 318 servants to feed. Our, our day and age is three, day, three times a day. Maybe in those days they fed him once a day. I don't know. But he still had to feed him, give him housing, protect them, And they became like his army. But he's wealthy. He's extremely wealthy to be able to have 318 servants. Do you have a servant? I hope you do. You can have a servant, but I'm saying some of us don't even have servants because we don't have the finances to have a servant or a cleaner. All I'm saying is this is rich. This is wealthy. This is abundantly blessed. Isaac was so rich that the Philistines, the Bible says, envied, envied Isaac. Jacob was so blessed that the man became exceedingly prosperous, it says in the Bible. Boaz, in the Bible says, was a mighty man of wealth. Yet he loved God and had a covenant with God. Joseph was one of the wealthiest men in all of Egypt. Yet he loved God and walked with God and did great things for God. Um, Job, the Bible says, was the wealthiest man in all of the East. Yet he feared God and loved God. It just, you get in the point. Esther became queen. Mordecai was a very powerful and wealthy man. David was so rich as King David, he gave equivalent to $2 billion to the temple to build a temple. The Bible says this. I'm, I'm not making it up. David gave $2 billion. He goes, out of my own treasury, I gave this amount. He tells you exactly how much he gave. And you work it out now, day and age, about $2 billion. Just trying to help us think, okay, I don't think God's got a problem with wealth. Is that okay? When someone says, oh, I've got to be careful of these people that have got so much money. Oh, all they want is money. Well, you're attacking a man of God or a woman of God, first of all. You don't know their motive and you don't know their heart. They'll stand before God. Is this okay? I believe this. You can tell, I hope. Um, so God has no problem with wealth or having wealth. He has a problem when we, when health, uh, wealth, health, wealth has us. When wealth possesses us and we're no longer in control because it became our God. So I spoke about money um, is not a root of all evil. It's the love of money that's a root of all evil. I believe money will empower you to do what's inside your heart. So it depends on what's in your heart. So if, you, if my heart, if, a pers- if money comes into a hand of someone that's selfish, he's empowered to be more selfish and more greedy. And he'll spend all for himself. If money comes into a hand of a drug dealer, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to sell more drugs. Deal with more drugs. If money comes into a hand of a gambling addict, uh, addict he's going to gamble it more. If money comes into the hand of a loving, gracious, compassionate person like Mother Teresa, she'd pour that finances into the poor of Calcutta. Money will empower you to do what's in your heart. So... So, in one sense, whatever's in your heart will be exposed, because when money comes, it's the great test. You following? It's okay. Don't be afraid of money. Just make sure that Jesus is number one. Amen? Because uh, uh, Solomon, in Ecclesiastic, I think it was, he says, money answers all things. That's an interesting quote from the Bible. No one wants to talk about that much. Money is an interesting thing. It can give you power to do things it can give you the power to do good but also give you the power to do evil money doesn't have an evil nature of itself if if there was 10 million dollars here and I came to it I found I don't turn evil it doesn't now I'm evil it's just money I've got to have power over that the best way to, to I believe test your heart if I can say this humbly from the day I became a Christian at the age of 19, and the Word of God taught about tithing and offering, I just gave God the first 10% of all that I received. And I've never stopped. We've never stopped. Since we've been married, every increase someone blessed me $100 for my birthday, I tithe it. We've taught our kids to do that. They have no problem whatsoever. No, no, no. They're just grown up since they were a kid. They got pocket money, they got blessings for birthday, they tithed and offered. Ever since they grow up. Now, we've done that all our life. And I'm telling you, we haven't lacked. We're more blessed now than we ever have been because this wealth that comes from prosperity within, the prosperous soul, keeps growing. God keeps trusting you with more. But the greatest test is, say, God, every dollar you trust me with, everything that you empower me with financially, whatever, I give first 10% to you. First. Not once I use it, whatever left over, then I'll give you 10%, because then it's no longer the first 10%. But I actually give you everything. That's the greatest test. If, you, if you're afraid of money, if you can't do that, then you then you probably money will ruin you. Please hear what I'm saying. If you can't do that, that's the greatest first test. It really is. Because you're saying, God, this doesn't belong to me. The greatest teaching on, on finance is actually realizing, God, you own everything. I'm just a steward. Really, I am. I'm just a steward. Everything that comes through my hands, comes through the church. We're just stewards. It's not my money. God owns everything. So that's first tithe and offering, whatever you commit to that part of the offering, because I believe it should be above your tithe. We give an offering. But then whatever God speaks and says, give, anytime God speaks, you give because it's His, not yours. That's a great test. That money doesn't own you. That means being generous, being in that river, being that channel. If he can get it through me, he'll get it to me. God's working on trusting us. But if we trust money, it means we're not trusting God. Does that make sense? That's why it's a, I think it's a great covenant attachment. Say, God, all this money belongs to you. I bring it to you. I bring the first. I don't give him a tithe because it's not even mine to give. The Bible says tithe is wholly separate for God for his purpose. So I bring, the Bible's language is, I bring the tithe back to him. Right. It's okay. Wealth is relative. This is really important to get this. I, w- I want us to be prosperous from the inside. Wealth is relative. Whichever way you and I want to look at it. Some people say true wealth and you know, teachings out in the world, not from the kingdom. They say wealth is this. Because people say I'm rich in this and they've got all this debt stacked up. But if you stopped work today, how, many, how long can you live off the assets that you own? So you can only live off for of one month and you're not really wealthy. If you can to live off two months, you know, not that, if you can live off for, for the next you know, for your whole life, then wow, you're a wealthy person. Now that's still relative. Can I tell you why I think that's still relative? Because in India, you could be a farmer and live off the land and put a worker there and he works the land for you, but your standard of living is really, really, really low and you could be living in a hut, but you can live for the rest of your life off the farm. You get what I'm saying? It's still relative. You can say, well, that guy now, he can, well, it depends on the standard of life you choose to live. This very, re, re, wealth is so relative. Um, this quote says, wealth after all is a relative thing since he that has little and wants less is richer than he that has much and wants more. A, pers- a poor person that's satisfied with what he's got and doesn't want more is richer than a person that's got a lot and still wants more because it's about the heart. It's a contentment thing. You know we're in Australia, we've heard this many, many times before. I want us to actually believe it, that we actually live in the top 10% richest people in the world. Right now, every one of you in this room, but you might not consider yourself wealthy. If you have running water, electricity, roof over your head, uh, food in the fridge, food in the cupboard, I hope you all do. If you have all these things and people online, if you have all these things, a bit of coin, a bit of spare change... Not money in the bank, just spare change, but running water, food, clothing, all these basic necessities that we all have, you actually fall in the top 10% richest people in the whole world. It's actually almost hard to believe, isn't it? They, the 80% of the world, 80 to 90% of the world, will look at the way you live and consider you wealthy. It's relative. If everyone in Australia, 27, I don't know how many million now, but everyone in Australia had a $10 million house, a $10 million mansion and they had $10 million in the bank. But you have a $1 million home and $1 million in the bank. You wouldn't consider yourself very wealthy compared to everybody else. It has to be relative. And, and in America, 46% of the American population earn a household over $100,000 a year. 46%. But they don't consider them, themselves rich until they earn 500000 above. It's still relative. But most people in certain countries will look at the way America lives and they're prosperous. It just goes to show money doesn't satisfy, doesn't give happiness, doesn't give security. Why is money being relative really important? Because we all, when people attack people, they oh, they're wealthy, they're this or this, they're this. it's all relative anyway. Most pastors in, in Sydney, if they saw my home, would think, wow, you're so wealthy. I live in Blacktown. But you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to help us see. It's actually very relative. And the enemy wants to attack this subject. The church needs to speak on money. God. Jesus spoke on finances more than he did on most subjects. More scriptures on finances than faith. It's in the Bible. He actually About stewardship and money and finances. Jesus spoke about it a lot. All right. The issue is if wealth has us. It's okay for us to have wealth. And again, I want to be a channel, I want to be a river, I want to be a blessing to people. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating, just be blessed and heap it up on yourself. Not at all. But the issue is how much money makes you stop trusting God. I think Bill Johnson said that he he was praying with someone that was a, a CEO of a big company. And he's praying, God, give me the wisdom, give me the grace, give me the favor to be able to employ all these hundreds of people so that they could put their kids to college, pay their mortgage and pay their house. So his faith is for them to be able to be paid by his company. Even though there'll be hundreds of millions of dollars possibly going through, but he's got his faith out there. What the church has done wrong is people go, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust God. And we think that's faith. You know what I mean? Just because now I'm no longer relying on a work. That means everyone that's got a job doesn't have faith. It's ridiculous. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says if you don't work, you're more than an infidel. If you don't work and provide for your own family, you're worse than an infidel, sorry. So it's, it's a, you can work and get good income and still live by faith. Again, it depends on the finance. Someone might, someone um, maybe, I don't know, $100,000 might tip you over that you don't trust God anymore because depending on your heart, a- attitude and faith. But someone might, have, he might be able to take care of $100 million come through his hands and he still has to trust God because of the stuff that he's doing for the kingdom. Jesus said, oh, this is in Psalms 52, but I will get to Jesus in a second. Psalms 52, verse 7 says, This is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. He trusted in the abundance of his riches. didn't trust in God, he trusted in his riches, and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So the wickedness came from trusting in the natural resources rather than God. First Timothy 6, verse 17, Paul's teaching Timothy, he says, charge them that are rich in this present world. And he's talking to the church. So it's people, it Christians that are in the church that Timothy's a pastor over. Those that have a lot of wealth, those that have a lot of money, he says, charge them that they be not high-minded, that's proud, nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in the riches you've got. That's the key. But in the living God. So you're supposed to trust in the living God who giveth, gives us richly all things to enjoy. And he says... Teach them to gen- be generous, to give to those that are in need. See, so he, he's actually saying, teach them to give. The so giving, again, is the key test to make sure money doesn't hold you. Because you're giving to needs. You're giving to preaching the gospel. Mark chapter 10, verse 23, Jesus said, or actually, verse 23 to 30, he actually says, um, how hard is it for a man that is rich to enter the kingdom of God? You know that scripture? How hard is it for, man, for a person that's rich to enter the kingdom of God. Let me read it. Verse 23. How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Those that have riches to enter. And the disciples were astonished at his words. What are you saying, Lord? But Jesus answered and said to them, Children, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom? Now he adds the word trust. They were astonished. They go, what? In other words, we, we're, going, we're going to be in trouble because we're, we're pretty good. We're wealthy. Like we got, we're fishermen. We're businessmen. We're all this sort of stuff. He goes, what? And he goes, oh, but those that trust in riches, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And, and that's something about the camel unloading its storage bags off to go through the gate of a city to get through, to move the camel through. <clears throat> it can be happen. It's just difficult. And, and so it's, but the issue here is trusting. God wants us to trust Him, not the finances. And they were greatly astonished, again, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? In other words, oh no, we're in trouble. What about us? Who can, we, you know, who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and says, with men it is impossible, not with God. For with, all, with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say, see, we have, left all that, we have left everything to follow you. In other words, we've left all our belongings, all our finances, all our things to follow you. And this is Jesus' promise. Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands. For my sake, you left it for his sake, to trust him and the gospel, who shall not receive. Everyone say a hundred times. hundredfold. now in this time. Now in this time. He's not talking about heaven. People put this into heaven. It's not about heaven. It's now in this time. Who will not receive a hundred times more than what he gave up. And he says, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. He adds that in with persecution. This lifestyle of being abundantly blessed and walking in fullness of God's blessing will come with persecution. And it will it, it, determine your character to keep speaking well of people that attack you. Yeah. Who attack your motive, attack your heart. Attack your, you just got to keep loving them. It, 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 that doesn't amaze me, but it does am, in one sense. That why is it the men and the women that are doing great things for the kingdom, especially those that have a power and authority and signs and wonders and miracles, the enemy hates them, attacks them all the time. Attacks them. You can't, you can't think of anyone that hasn't been attacked that is, that is counted for the kingdom. But the, the key here, Jesus is saying that when you, when you give up things for my sake, I will return a hundred times this, 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 and that. He's actually saying there'll be a un, there will, there, you'll tap into the resources of heaven to get the job done. That's the key. Because you're trusting me, you'll tap into the resources of heaven. Now this is very important. If we, we're just going to try to finish up with this. I have my timer here, but I'm really good. I didn't turn it on. <laughs> Sorry about that. But let me, let me try to close it with this. Our mindset tells us God either provides our needs according to a pie mentality. Not a pie mentality. If I've got a big pie, I take my piece, my portion of the limited resources. So if you think there's a limited resources, that God meets our needs through a limited resource, then when you, you take your pie, there's less for everybody else. And that's where the teaching comes that, you know, you, you really can't be blessed, because that means someone else is not going to have. When you take your piece, there's a little bit left. Less for everyone else. That's a wrong mentality. The Word of God teaches, Philippians chapter 4, my God, when you put God first, it says this, when you put God first and seek His kingdom, my God will supply all your need according to what? His riches in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not even the riches of this earth. This earth is already unlimited resources. I'm concerned, the earth resources is unlimited. But we're not talking about the earth's resources. God says, I will take heaven's resources Because your connection is to me. When your connection is to God the Father and you need a need met, He will meet that need according to the riches that are in heavenly places, in glory. They've got streets of gold. Now, if if this is not true, what I'm saying is not true, God should never have got the children of Israel to build a temple. And you know how much gold they put into the temple? According to the Bible, it tells you the talents they used. You turn the talents into pounds and turn the pounds into dollars. $122 billion worth of gold just for the one temple. Silver was like, I wrote it all down here, I've got it here, but silver was um, 76,275 no, 76, pounds, which turns into 22 billion. And the gold was 194 billion. So altogether, 216 billion. Dollars worth of gold and silver just to build a temple, and that does not include 153,000 forced laborers. It's about half a billion dollars worth of labor. Again, if there's a problem with you know people attack you because you're a building, one day we're going to have to buy our own building, and we're going to own our own buildings. So people go, ah, oh, why they spend all that money on the building instead of helping the poor? Well, because we're preaching the gospel. We're helping people. We constantly pour money into the nations as we go. It's not like oh, one day we'll make it and then we'll give money to the poor. We do it all the time. And that's true of your own personal life. You give as you go. You don't go, when I get this amount, then I'll start to do this. Then I'll start to tithe or then I'll start to give. You give as you earn $100, you give from that. Can you you understand that if you have a mentality that if I take my part, it's going to be less for somebody else. It hinders us. But we've got to believe when God blesses me, and not just bless he, he does bless me just because He wants to bless me. That's true of our Father. Just like you as a Father want to bless your children. But He wants us to also be a blessing to the world around us. There's a responsibility with what we carry, with what we're entrusted with. So if God can all God's trying to do is get you to trust God, not riches. And then when He when you got when you pass that test and you work in that well, then He says, I trust you now, now I entrust you with more. You actually give you more. God has no problem with blessing His children. When people attack people that have maybe God has blessed them big time because they've walked with God, so I've got to just point them to the Bible. Well, most of the people you read in the Bible are wealthy, wealthy men and women. Some of them extremely wealthy and they loved God. Now, we don't go after money. There's not a, there's not a license to go, oh, I'm going to go after money. We're talking about going after God. But from the beginning, when I became a Christian, I've learned some of these truths, and I started going after God. Christian and my wife, we started going after God. And when you've got children, you, you buy clothes for them. You don't buy for yourself. You know, especially mums. But I, myself too, I was a fashion designer, and I stopped buying clothes. I just stopped, I just stopped it. I just didn't need it. And the finances and the clothes always would come clothing would come I wouldn't even seek for it ask my wife I'm not the type let's let's go buy something birthdays Father's Day any other day I was just getting blessed with all the family around here and Christine's mum and dad I just get blessed all the time go buy another jacket I don't need another jacket I've got lots of jackets I want you to buy another jacket I want you like I'm just trying to use that as an example when you put God first He goes after you He really does we are blessed and I know it's God as a family we're blessed but I know it's God and I know I, I would have been a, I would have made a mess of my life without Jesus 100% I want to stay humble all the days of my life always remember Lord it Says, remember the Lord your God and He gave you the ability to obtain wealth He gave you the ability not just wealth blessing prosperity in every area of my life every area can we pray I really go- Believe God wants to anoint you in this area. Just anoint you afresh. The angels are measuring. I feel God, the presence of angels are here. They're just measuring hearts. They're measuring and they see shifts as you make decisions, as you say, yes, Lord, use me. Use me as a vessel. Use me as a, a man or a woman of God that'll do this for your kingdom. And God's looking at your heart is. His angels, I don't know how they do it, but they measure and they go, I trust them with more. I'm gonna give them a, a deeper measure of anointing, deeper measure, a, a stronger mantle to make finances for the kingdom. And entrepreneuring, a spirit of entrepreneuring right now be released into our hearts, whether that is to write songs, write scripts, make movies, Lord, whether it is to be a uh, start businesses, even online. People that are watching, Lord, the people that have creative ideas, innovation, write songs that'll hit the charts. Lord, write books, creative things that will happen right now. We trust You as our resource. We trust You that You are our provider. You are the God of our abundantly, the one that abundantly blesses us more than enough. El Shaddai, that is more and more. You are more than enough for us. Release this in our hearts, Lord. Release this in our souls. We speak the abundance of heaven in our hearts. Use us as a channel, Lord, individually as a family, and even as a church family. Release your glory into us and trust us with more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive it? Just receive it. Receive it and walk in it. And now we speak according to the Word of God. We adjust our conversation according to the Word. That's why it's important to feed your soul all the time, every day. Amen.